magical hour. Oh, Matthew and Schaefer. Shafi, Shafi, are you there? What do you mean biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Enough. Dusk is falling once again in the hill country around Austin, Texas. Darkness has enveloped me in my ivy-covered castle here behind my microphone in the back room. I, await, I anxiously await another evening of conversation with my good friend. He is the proverbial man inside two garages. He wants the slain bodies of the uncommunicatives piled high against the sky. His name's Matthew Ramey, and he's right here. You got a podcast. I got an iPhone to listen to it. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe podcasting we can get somewhere. Any podcast is better. Shavy call from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something listenable. Me and Shavy got nothing to prove. So remember when we were casting in my double garage, upload speed so fast and Matthew was drunk. Lap that life says spread out before us. Your headboard felt good wrapped around my shoulder and I, I had a feeling that I belong. I, I had a feeling I could co-host a podcast. Co-host a podcast. And that, I was... <laughs> I was listening to Fast Car today, and that song brought me to tears today. Like it, it it's so powerful. I remember when it came out in '88. It was such a unique song, and it was very popular, like radio hit popular. And but you know, Tracy Chapman was so mysterious and androgynous, and the the yeah. song is so powerful, man. I, it's I an love amazing it. song, and yeah, I, it just resonates. I love how art does that. Now, you know, 30 years later resonates perfectly where, you know, when we're all trying to belong in the middle of this, this mass hysteria, uh, she really, I think, you know, that this songwriting, you know, an acoustic guitar and the truth, you know, the fact that, you know, she was able to kind of cut through, you know, what was kind of, you know, the the BS that was the end of the eighties. You know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, self-serving in the eighties and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, that's the, the greed is good decade. You know, the fact that she picked up her guitar and kind of just cut right through it and spoke, spoke to everybody, uh, was, was a pretty amazing thing to do. And she can still do it. You know, she's still, uh, uh, she's both 
both with that recording and you know uh, uh, with covers that she's done and her also her contemporary uh, her contemporary songs still speak to me as well. I find uh, she's an extraordinary, great, great songwriter and important figure right now. I think to us dealing with uh, dealing with this mass hysteria, these dogs and cats living together. Uh, I wanted to address, you know, things feel like at some point we need to talk about what's going on. At some point, wait, you're going to lead, wait, you're going to lead with it? <laughs> I was well, going to, we're going to come around to, to address, that, you know, I thought. You, we recorded our last cast the night before, you know, what, you know, we'll address right now for people listening down the road was, you know, uh, fo folks storming the Capitol, you know, and the change of presidents, you're protesting the, the change of power. Uh, I'm, I'm dubbing it the... The cutest insurrection. See, I thought it was cute. We, you know, the, and that's the problem, you know, is that I think that the cops treated it like a cute one too. Uh, and that's. Yeah, they were like, oh, isn't this so cute? That's disturbing to a lot of people who've been pro protesting all year long and who have been mis gravely mistreated uh, at the hands of the police force. And, um, the fact that they were like, all right, you jokers, you, you guys have had your fun, now go home. You know, whereas peaceful protesters uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests were getting gassed in the streets. You zany suburbanites, you, you, you put that government property down. It's very, it's very- Put that upsetting. podium down. <laughs> and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted you to know, I quoted Matthew from the other night talking about, <laughs> he made that joke about, uh, communication versus lack of communication. And then in you saying, you know, like the bodies of the uncommunicated <laughs> piled before me, like you were a podcasting communication God. And it was all a joke and it made me laugh a lot. And I, I decided to use that. And then I thought, man, you know, at a time when we're actually seeing like bodies, you know, they're living bodies, but there's still piles of bodies in front of, you know, in front of our capital. I said, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. But then I, then I thought, no, I'll stick with, you know, what Matt said was very funny in its context. And we're going to need to, we're going to need to chat about, you know, the violence, that's, the violence that's going on anyway. Uh, and then, so I thought it was pretty awesome, actually, that you led with uh, Tracy Chapman, who I find to be a voice of peace and, uh, you know, talking about belonging. And that's uh, definitely uh, something we all need. And then, uh, and then, you know, we started off with uh, the Ghostbusters, who were, they were a great, Great tight, tight knit little gang who were fighting madness. Uh, they were definitely a, a band of, of siblings. Um, we like to pack a ton of symbolism right into the intro. <laughs> right, up, right up in the front. Right up front. It, it makes up for all the awkward silence that sprawls out later in the cast. And we haven't even gotten to the numbers yet, OMH. We haven't even talked about numerological significances. Okay, let's go for one at instance. a time here. Let's let's go. Let's go one thing at a time here. Wait, for instance, what? Matthew, uh, Adam, I saw Adam Wentworth briefly tonight, super fan Adam, and he wanted me to tell you that he thinks it's significant that the numbers 2021-2021 add up to the number five. You thought oh, about dear. that? No, I hadn't thought about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling down the show sheet, though. <laughs> 
I had it for we, like this. It's in no particular order. Yeah, you know, we were talking about five, but I was looking into that twenty-three enigma principle, and this is uh, from a text titled "Principia Discordia." Claims that all things happen in fives, or are divisible by, or are multiples of five, or are somehow directly or indirectly appropriate to five. This is referred to as law of fives, and 23 enigma is regarded, regarded as a correlate, corollary because two plus three equals five. It's interesting that your number is 23. Yep. My number is five, and we're here together podcasting our asses off. Uh, also interesting, we're about to hit 5,000 total downloads. Yes, indeed, 5,000. 5, five plus three zeros. Another weird thing that that 23 enigma quite honestly, Wikipedia page said, was that in the same works, Principia Discordia, 23 is considered lucky, unlucky, sinister, strange, and sacred to the goddess Eris, or sacred to the unholy gods of the Cthulhu mythos. It all comes Cthulhu. back. Did I say that right, Dark Lord? To the, big, the big C. It does. It's funny how C. that all, like really ha- is woven through uh, th- this this one continuous uh, conversation, which is now on episode 57. You know something else I just realized, Matthew? We're approaching 5,000 downloads. Do you realize 5,000, five plus zero plus zero plus zero equals five? Whoa. And, uh, and also, I'm not a mathematician, but I know that that's five thousands. It takes what? five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, glad we can still amuse ourselves. An- another uh, an- wait. Another quick topic before we get into our. Uh, I got a beat for our political discussion tonight. Oh, good. Yeah, you you're gonna like it. But we'll wait on that. Um, I've started, well, let me go back a little bit. Let's go I, back. I started doing the song parody thing. And if, at first I was just saying the lyrics to a song and taking out one word and putting in podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And now I've realized it's getting more uh, elaborate and ornate. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing, but... It, it occurs to me, even in this infant stage, how, how many songs can I do that with? Like how, how many, like, am I going to run out of songs? And my, my daughter one time said, dad, how many songs do you know? And I was like, I, I don't know a lot. Like, I wonder how many songs I know. And, and of course that begs the question, do you know, like how many songs can you name or how many songs do you know all the words to? Anyway, either of those, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, you know, obviously we're not talking about songs that you know every note and every word to, but songs that, you know, we all know a few notes to or a few words enough to remind us of the song, that's got to be in the thousands, right? Got to be in the thousands. I mean, it we could has to be just, over a thousand. We could sit around and do it for hours. If you and I... For it to each other. If you and I can can gather up five thousand total downloads, then 
in just a few months, then it's got to be in the thousands, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how long this can go on. Maybe, maybe someday I'll take. I also realized that our the first part of our of our podcast is there's our beautiful haunting whistled theme song, uh, uh, produced by our our producer sensei Alex Battles. There's our theme music produced by our our good friend and guitar god mentor Brian Benitez. And then I go into a little tune. Like in three minutes there you get you kind of get three different little tunes, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh we we're not afraid to throw the music at you here. And yeah. it doesn't seem like anybody minds. I think well people uh, seem to enjoy the the kind of you know I, I know you and I have talked about how hearing those sounds kind of puts us you know almost Pavlovian puts us in the mood amps us up gets us ready to uh, to, to talk to each other for literally hours on end. I'm considering changing the family's name to Pavlov. <laughs> um. I wanted to address, uh, so nice to see you this evening. We are totally going to get to our, to our political, um, I don't know if it's even a political discussion, our, our discussion about the events of, of the cutest insurrection of January 6th. Um, but I wanted to swing back on another Alex Battles topic, the Dick Cavett thing. My, his comparison of me to Dick Cavett, my interview stuff. Specifically, he said, your interview style reminds me of Dick Cavett. And I watched a couple of the clips that he sent me, and I saw like a bonkers seven minutes of Muhammad Ali talking to Dick Cavett. It was crazy. And I, I see what Alex is talking about. Like, I have a certain sincerity, and I see that in Dick Cavett. And then also, like, he he does... <sighs> How did Alex put it? Alex said something about like, I, uh, you know, I want to know just what's going on, how my, how my subject is feeling at the moment. And Dick Cavett kind of asked those questions, just like, like that Muhammad Ali thing. He was like, what's, what's been going on with you? And, you know, the champ told him a bunch of stuff and um, I don't know. There's just a certain humble sincerity to it. I'm like, hey, everybody, here's my humble sincerity, <laughs> just well, like Dick Cavett. Funny you should say that. I was just about to uh, say something entirely separate from uh, what goes on between what you and Dick Cavett do with your interviews while you're talking. Something else I, I thought of when he mentioned Dick Cavett is you both have kind of an all-American good look to you. Um, you have kind of the, you have similar kind of chiseled like longer faces um i think you guys kind of actually look you guys are the same kind of handsome which is uh interesting to me too oh then i was reading his wikipedia page as i am oft to do and he, he talked about his depression and his clinical depression and like different periods of depression in his life so not that i i mean i know a little something about that do you think that that makes you more more into you know more interested and more likely to consider how other people are doing 
I, I'm actually cursed or blessed with constantly thinking about how other people are doing. When you ask me how I'm doing, I know that you that I can give you as honest an answer as I feel comfortable giving you. Um, I'm I'm a super open person, and I think people can sense that very easily. I'll have strangers. I can be traveling and a stranger will come up to me and ask for directions or just, I'm, I'm, I'm very approachable. Um, I, I feel like I'm like a human information kiosk when I'm just out and about, like people just come up to me and ask me like, Oh, sir, where's the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Nobody calls me sir. But, um, uh, so, but I, seriously, I, I am very open and I find that that, uh, opens people up very easily. And it seems to be working over the interwebs on, on, I, I don't have any, any formal interview experience before doing this, but, I, but I do like talking to people. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah you know, anytime, you know, depending on what relationship you cultivated with people, you know, anytime, Anytime you ask somebody how they're doing and make a little small talk, it's, you know, it could be like a little interview depending on, depending on what relationship you have with that person and how likely they are to tell you, uh, to tell you the truth in great detail, which, <laughs> you know, some people, it's interesting. I think a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And you know, there, there are some, you know, particularly the more mundane truths that, you know, that no one necessarily wants to hear, I think, you know. That's what this show is mostly about. <laughs> understanding, understanding the difference is, is part of communication, isn't it? Uh, Certainly. You know, uh, if, I'm on Dick, if I'm on Dick Cavett and, you know, say, uh, you know, he wants to talk about, you know, some, a new poetry publication of mine. Is I guess that's the most likely reason that I would be on Dick Cavett. You know, I I'm not going to lead with a rash that I have or something like that. And and being able to trust people, being able to trust somebody enough to say how are you doing, and knowing that they'll give you the important information and not necessarily. Um, not necessarily all you they'll, they'll self-edit is is a good thing to know not that you and i have ever self-edited edited anything no, in our not lives a, not a thing <laughs> but <laughs> I, I have and we, we even have the option and we choose not <laughs> but wait do, so did your dad have a comment about this and the answer is no i do not have a rash so don't worry uh, about uh, that okay okay uh no uh i i i put it under get at us because alex got at us about Dick, you being like Dick Cavett. Uh, oh, right. Oh, sorry. So okay. Uh, we could segue into my dad did get at us. Wait, I want to say one more thing. I appreciate Alex bringing up this Dick Cavett topic. And um, I think that I am flattered <laughs> and, and, and enjoy the comparison. Uh, um, but also, Dick Cavett was not the most successful uh, late night talk show host. It, he was his, in fact, his show was on like seven different networks in the end. <laughs> but 
Uh, I would have preferred he compare me to like uh, David Letterman or something, but yeah, you can't really. Yeah, know. but uh, David Letterman, I don't, you know, he's a fine interviewer, but it's a different, different style. I, I just like mean I, he was, I just mean he was somebody that was on top for a long time. I'm more interested in. I th- I think I'm probably going to find a Dick Cavett interest interview more interesting than a David Letterman interview with the same person. Sure. Uh, that said, I haven't seen any of these new uh, long form interviews that he's doing, which my my mother said are really good. I watched a couple of them. Mom asked me if I if I knew about this Dave Chappelle guy. <laughs> uh, she's That's very cute. impressed with him. And, uh, <laughs> right. And yeah, so uh, so that's cool. And, I, and actually, my dad's been a Dave Chappelle fan for a long time too. So Dave Chappelle really connects with people. And Got massive. Talk people. about talk about communicating. He communicates some very difficult ideas in ways that you know, if if I can understand, you know, it does it in a way that you know I can understand, and you know. <laughs> he does it in a way that a lot of people understand. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's certainly not afraid to say difficult things. But I'm sorry, what did your dad get at us about? Dad got at us about the Spanish piece of eight, uh, if y'all oh, recall. Yes. When, uh, pr- pr- uh, producer Amiritis uh, Gracie was on. We were talking about dad finding, and he wanted to specify. He says, I just heard y'all discussing my discovery of a Spanish piece of eight down on the coast of Mexico. Uh, He says, since it's now set in stone on one magical hour, no need for historical revisionism. However, the coin was actually French, uh, dating to the 1800s, as I recall. Stephanie, uh, his sister, my aunt, was along that day, and he said he could tell she really, really wanted that coin. Um, so he took the coin to Donnie Hamilton, who ran the conservation lab at UT Austin's Balcones Research Center. Uh, he cleaned the coin, and eventually Dad gave it to Stephanie, and she put it on a uh, display in a little frame in her room. I remember uh, seeing that uh, when I was a kid. Uh, if you can, And Dad says, if you can get to the beach at Port Mansfield, north of Port Isabel, you can beachcomb and might be lucky enough to find a real Spanish coin. Uh, he says the special lab Donnie ran at UT was set up especially to handle shipwreck artifacts recovered from those wrecks in Port Mansfield. Two or three Spanish treasure ships wrecked there in a hurricane. Spring break? Yeah, let's do it. You think, uh, yeah, you think uh, the, various, the various kids in our lives would be interested in going on a beach treasure hunt? I guess they probably would. That's actually one of the few tasks that we could get my kids to actually execute with some <laughs> some alacrity. <laughs> and they're closer, we, to, they're closer to the ground so they can see better. If we invested in metal detectors too, that would be dope. Okay, so I'm ready now. I feel like we started the show. We're a good 27 minutes in. Here we go. <laughs> um, now let's talk about I want to get your thoughts on the foolish uh, events of yesterday. Today is January 7th, 2021. Yesterday was January 6th, 2021. The I mean, Cheeto-in-Chief riled lot, up a mob. Everybody knows what happened now. A lot more, you know, I mean, it's so much more than foolish. Uh, when I first saw the headlines, 
Brick, I, I was inclined to uh, to text the drug, and I did text the show to my my uh, brother and sister-in-law and sister. Um, and then minutes later, uh, I heard that that woman had been shot and lost her life. And then, you know, it, it completely ceased. Even the, even trying to put a, a humorous spin on it seemed very, like a very foolish thing to do. Uh, and then, yeah, I, you know, and then when you started to consider it through the, through the lens of how, how the authorities have handled, handled other things that have gone on this year, then it became, you know, even more depressing. And I, you know, I think the, the, if the, I mean, you know, to, I don't even want to reduce it to just something I'm disappointed in. It's something worth getting angry about. And, you know, there's been these interesting things like, uh, like Twitter shutting off uh, Trump's Twitter feed and Facebook shutting off his Facebook feed, uh, you know, really wild stuff like that. And, you know, now uh, he's, you know, I'm seeing like breaking news right now or he's like, now he's pushing on, you know, making sure that he gets to pardon him, pardon, uh, get some sort of pardon, pardon himself if he has to do it. Uh, you know, meanwhile, the Democrats are, are trying to get together to uh, just make, try to minimize the damage I think that he can do because now we've seen that, that now, you know, there's, loss of life in his front yard you know there's we can see the damage that can be done you know and it just it has to stop uh, uh, sorry like um i wish i could joke about it more but i just i, I really can't um i'm not pressing you to joke about it i i, I wanted to hear your honest feelings about it in my, in my Dick Cavett way. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, I, yeah, it's, I, I want, stop. I want to minimize it. I don't want to minimize the, the law enforcement response because I think it's, that's deplorable. Um, but I, I don't want, I don't want to give the mob, I don't want to give the thuggish ignorance out there any, I don't want them living rent free in my mind. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's a blip. I think that it will, when we look back in history, it will be inextricably tied to, to old Donnie boy. And I think it just makes, it just sullies his reputation. And, and I, I really think history is going to just skewer the shit out of him. I, 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 um, I don't know, like for a second, I felt like there could be like fear associated with this. Like, oh, if the, oh, our capital can be breached or whatever. And I just, I'm not, I'm not giving them, I'm not giving them that chance. I guess they were, yeah, un- I guess they were unprepared at the Capitol. Yeah. They, they, they did happen. They didn't think they needed a show of force because they're not scared of suburbanites like they are people of color, you know, and I, I, I that's a, that's a super, sh- there, and there are aspects of it that I find that I want to throw up about like parading of the Confederate flag and, you know, 
this sort of desecration of of public property that you know when it's when it's antifa who's gonna desecrate property they talk about it in the strongest terms yep but when it's these with these cute rednecks that have the problem here is that these people have firmly believed the lies the bullshit they've they've totally bought into it and in their minds they're doing something brave and patriotic and it's because they're sorely misinformed if let's say this let's say that there was evidence of election fraud and there were multiple court cases on being fought in multiple states and multiple courts and there were there were these pieces that had everybody in pieces of evidence that had everybody in the country going hmm then i understand people getting so upset it's it's the lack of any shred of evidence of the truth of that thing that they thought that they were protesting against <laughs> also no. i'm not calling them protesters i find i i i am in full I am in full agreement in calling them domestic terrorists I or just terrorists. Point. One man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. I would like to hear apart from getting their beloved commander in chief back in office, what do they hope? Or what do they want accomplished? What do they want him to do when he gets there? What do they hope is going to come of this? Other than I think like most people are most of, I think a significant portion of Trump supporters, their favorite thing about it is that it pisses off liberals and, you know, and, and it makes snowflakes like me sad, you know, uh, but then apart from that, I, I would like to ask them, you know, what else is it that you're looking for? What do you hope, what do you hope would be accomplished in the next four years of a Donald Trump administration? Because none of it's happened yet. And, you know, he, he wasn't able to deport Muslims. He wasn't able to deport Muslims. He couldn't build a wall. He didn't bring manufacturing back to this country. Like, uh, healthcare is still a humongous clusterfuck. Pardon, uh, pardon my language, but that's you know, there's that's just the most efficient way to describe healthcare in America. Uh, so, uh, so that's I uh, you know just like if I try to like get all of the all of the culture wars out of it and just be like, what do you want for your country? Like anything that I can think of, Biden is in a much better position to provide us than that other guy. So like, just, you know, just well, relax. I can tell you. For a little while and see what happens over the next four years. And, you know, come at it with an open mind and then, you know, you'll get another chance to elect somebody else. And maybe, you know, think about how your life is different you know, in 20, uh, 2024 and, and consider that because I, I think that good things can come to good people if, you know, we get a government that can work together and, you know, get some things done. Not like what's been going on there for the last, um, for, especially the last four years, but even, you know, when, when the uh, Republican majority was sidelining uh, uh, Barack Obama too, he didn't get a lot of the good stuff that would benefit everybody done done. So if, if there's something that I could reach out and say to the, the people who won't listen to me anyway, it, I mean, it would be that, you know, like, could you please just keep your eyes and your ears open and be understanding 
in the next four years and then and then do what I did. If you if you do what I did, you know, the last four years, I looked at what the commander in chief was doing. A lot of it disturbed me. Some of it disturbed me a little. Some of it disturbed me a lot. Um, I was very upset with the way he handled a lot of things. And then four years later, I voted to remove him. And that's what all of these folks are welcome to do that. That's how the America, that's the America that our grandparents lived in. That's the America that our parents lived in. That's the uh, America that their beloved forefathers helped build, you know. Uh, and uh, and so that's uh, that's all I would ask that they do. That's, you know, that simple, like, you know, nobody can, nobody can calm your own hatred but yourself. Uh, which, you know, it doesn't mean that you should not speak out about it. Of course you should, of course you should but it's, it's all, all up to you to decide uh, what's in your own heart. And, you, know. you, you were like, what do these people want for their country? And I, exactly. I, I, think, what exactly. They, like, I think what they want is to maintain the status quo and keep their white supremacy and keep their cultural hegemony and they don't want well, they don't want things to they don't want to grant power to Pardon me Matthew but you're <laughs> fucking insane if you don't think Biden's going to maintain status quo. He, well, <laughs> he I'm not saying uh, <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah. he's but he's going to grant legitimacy to gay marriage. Why is that still on the table? Oh What's dude, the, <laughs> dude, that is what these are the issues that 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 movement is still that movement is fueled by evangelical Christianity and they are hung up on a couple of issues, abortion, gay marriage, a couple of other things that they're completely intractable and they don't want to see any of that change. They, they, they fear progress. They fear change. I, I, I'd like to enter into the record. My big silver lining from what happened yesterday is that I think it's an opportunity for some solidarity amongst thoughtful, educated, progressive, or, or conservative people. I, I turned on the TV and Lindsey Graham was giving a fire and brimstone speech about this is BS, enough yeah. is enough. I'm, suddenly I'm in agreement with those across the aisle this is a we have a process in place the vice president is here let's do this thing you know yeah and i think it will give all those all those sackless lawmakers who just followed the trumpian line because the party went with him this gives them a nice opportunity in front of their constituents to be like you know what we're gonna break from trumpism and that's okay because you and I, you and I citizen, you and I constituent, you and I opposing constituent, we all want the same thing in terms of we want this country to work. We want government to be orderly. We want the rule of law, you know? Um, so I'm hoping that, I'm hoping we can take something good. I'm hoping we can take something good out of it. And I'm hoping that in, in the end, it'll all just, just hang around Donnie's neck like an albatross. You know, 
yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you've said. And yeah, I would just like to reiterate it, just in the small possibility that there's somebody on the other side of the fence listening to this. Yeah, just let me repeat myself. Keep, keep your eyes and your ears open and, and vote. And, you know, and that's how we maintain this thing called America that I know you like. I know you like living here, you know, you know, you're not moving to, uh, you know, you're not moving to wherever people can move. That's increasingly limited right now, but, you know. Kazakhstan. Yeah. Uh, and just do that. And it's, you know, it's our responsibility. And, you know, let's have less, less shooting each other and, you know. Putting, putting people in that position that's not not doing anybody any good. Oh, that's what that's what Muhammad Ali was saying to Dick Cavett, that white society is all about shooting each other. <laughs> Let's stop that. Agree. I agree with Muhammad Ali. Um, have we said our piece? I think so, yeah. I think, and- speaking of peace, it was interesting that we were talking to Gabby about peace and violence the night before all that yeah, yeah. <laughs> should listen to episode 56 everything about yeah everything about episode 56 seemed to be yeah getting me ready for well and, and, I, and helping me deal with it so thanks yeah thanks one magical nation thanks gabby thanks matthew for helping me deal with thanks to my parents thanks um thanks to everybody who you know who will listen to me and who will talk to me about this stuff it's important communication. Comedy. I wanted to take us from an awake state into a dream state real quick. All right. Let's do I it. feel like that's the best way to rinse our brains from all of that. So Matthias Valina, if you haven't listened to episode do you remember the episode number for Matthias? I think it was 40. I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. Um, I've got it. Like 48. Actually. I've got another, I've got another Matthias dream and I'm, I'm really, I'm opening the envelopes slowly. Like they're so, they're so dense. They're yeah, so, my niece and nephew just got, got two more of them today. Yeah. They're so Baroque. I want to read them slowly. The, episode, the Matthias episode is episode 48, My Llamas Are Long-Lidded and Lumpy, the Matthias Felina interview. Go back and listen to that and, and be, be enlightened. Yeah, and enjoy. Um, so we're, we're going we're gonna to do the 19th dream now, and I want you to think about all of the correlations in this dream with like stuff we've been talking about, okay? The 19th dream. You work in a song factory. You are one of the singers. You and a few musicians gather around an empty wine bottle and play a song into the narrow mouth of the bottle. Once you have finished playing the song into the bottle, you quickly cork the bottle, trapping the song inside. You place the bottle on the assembly line's conveyor belt and it is carried away. Another empty wine bottle approaches on the belt. You take a deep breath, look around at the other musicians, and start a new song. 
all day long you sing songs into the bottles, sending them down the assembly line to be packaged and shipped out to the song stores. Later that day after work, you're back at home sitting on the couch. You lean your head back and open your mouth to sing, and you sing not of words, but of darkness. And the darkness that you sing fills the air, forming into the shape of the song. I don't know. I was mainly thinking about the correlation between my song spoofs and yeah, yeah. a job at a song factory. That's cool. But also the darkness. A sing of the darkness. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll, uh, we'll double corner today. Yeah. Wait, uh, say that I, again. You glitched. Say it again. I said, if you don't mind, we'll double down on the poetry corner. I got some word from Gabby, a Pacific Northwest mystic uh, and cult leader of the Matthew and Schaefer cult of two. Gabby yeah. uh, has mentioned that the next uh, the next edition of the Hex Induction Quarterly, uh, which will be volume two, will have three Schaefer Hall poems in it. So that's you can. Uh, Whoa! We'll have more information on how to get that when when the time comes. Currently, you can go to hex h-e-x induction e-n-d-u-c-t-i-o-n dot com and you can check out hex induction records and books and uh, i'm sure there will be more information there about getting the quarterly when the time comes uh, and i will also be reminding you uh, she uh chose to use these three uh three poems uh from this recent manuscript of mine called in lieu of a thank you uh so i thought i would read another another poem out of there uh one of the th ones she's using is from the series of of poems that i wrote in houston and all the titles came from houston roads highways avenues streets uh, so i thought i'd read this one called i-69 i am a place between canada and mexico a personality disordered, a river veined, sprawl of sand and grass and clay and pines. I am nubile. I have never loved, but been loved many times over. I can't be missed, even from oceans away. I am Corpus Christi. I am Indiana. Press your face against my asphalt. Hear the crash of history in the geology beneath me. Woo, we got some snaps. Got snap that. Oh, snap. I can't wait for Hex Induction Quarterly Volume 2 to come out. I'm excited about it too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The other correlation with the dream was obviously the poor, the choices. The sweeter the water, sweeter the song. You know those kind of fascists you used to see in films? Those mean-looking fascists with their shiny black boots. You know those kind of fascists who love to march around? Well, those same kind of fascists are here with us right now. You know those kind of fascists you used to read about in school? Those loud-mouthed fascists we had to shoot in World War II? 
You know those kind of fascists who like to rile up a crowd? Well, those same kind of fascists, they're here with us right now. Because the fascist loves his church, and the fascist loves his Jesus. The fascist, he loves fries and shakes, and the fascist loves grilled cheeses. The fascist loves his country, and the fascist loves them all. The fascist loves his parents, and the fascist loves football. And that fascist sun is rising on our dirt and on our dust. And that fascist heart is beating inside our children in the school bus.